welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. She can stop the rage. everybody welcome back to the retro blood and we are celebrating the month of love here on the retro blood j.a allison james klein we are we are exploring how a brother brotherly love can sometimes hurt the family but you will have a a connection with your sister and the connection will be to find her and finally stab her to death no, this is not Halloween 5. This is Sorority House Massacre. What we'll be doing today on the episode, everybody. What's going on, Allison? How are you feeling about this month of love that we have coming here to the Retro Blood? What's up, What's up man? I, I love, I'm, I'm having fun in the month of love so far. I really like our, um, um, our uh, Halloween, uh, Halloween, our Valentine's themed uh, movies. Um, I'm kind of wondering, uh, since this was a pick from you, I'm kind of wondering why you picked this for Valentine's Month, but I'm sure you'll tell me. So, I didn't really know too many horror movies that had a lot of love, you know, aspects to them. I kind of had to research it. And this is just one I found, because in the description of the movie, it reads, it reads like this killer has a telepath- telepathic, um, you know, relationship with, with his victim. All right, which is basically sure. in the movie, it is the brother has a connection with his sister. So, in a form of love, this is a form of brotherly love to a sibling. Even though in our horror universe, usually when you have love for your brother or sister, you want to kill him. So that's why I picked this particular movie to start off our Valentine's Day, um, or not actually some um, month of love with the Valentine's Day special. Uh, coming to this month as well too so that is kind of why i picked this movie like i said i'm trying to find different aspects of love that are in horror movies it's not just you know um a girlfriend or a boyfriend or, or a wife and a husband no it could be all types of different love that's in the horror uh universe that we have here and that's how we all got right, to all right that uh, works yep and that's how we got to sorority house massacre and i just like the title to be honest with you. I've never even seen this movie until we watched it. But it is a good one. And we have a jam-packed episode for you guys. Now, <clears throat> here on the Retro Blood, we like to do a little of housekeeping. You know, when we can. You know, this is a new show. We're getting a lot of new fans. Appreciate everybody for listening. And like I said, we do have a Facebook group page. It's called Retro Blood. 
you can sign up there. This is when we do extras on the show. So usually stuff that myself or Allison talks about when it comes to metal, music, maybe some like different scenes that we talk about. I like to put them in the extra on the Facebook page so we have a little more context of what we're talking about. You know, let's say we're talking about a particular band. Maybe you've never heard of the band. Uh, you want to see a little bit more about them. I like usually like send like a link to YouTube so you can do a little bit more research. Same thing with pro wrestling because we know everybody who listens to the show is not going to be knowing everything about pro wrestling, not knowing everything about metal and stuff. They're probably just coming here to see our review of the actual movie. But we like to add those two things in to kind of like spice things up a little bit. But, you know, sometimes when we're doing some movies, we miss a couple things. Like I said last time, we when we did Motel... My mountaintop motel massacre we were only doing a a a stay a, a quick visit okay we, we weren't doing an extended stay at that hotel we just got in there and got out all right kind of like our boy crucial did he just wanted to get in there and get out you know go on to exactly. the next job so you know we did get some um some um stuff that we missed on the show from um, another podcast that was listening to our show shout out to them they actually do they actually have a whole YouTube channel breaking down different aspects of mountaintop motel massacre which i think is really cool you know like to break deep dive into a movie you know here on the retro blood we try to like do our thoughts about the movie but you know since we do so much different movies it's hard to just deep dive into one movie because we're like we just like a you know we're kind of like a series we just keep going we're like a train over here brother but you know check these people yeah never stop so their youtube channel is really cool it's called mountaintop nine and they, they break down like different scenes and different aspects of that particular movie, Mo- Mountaintop Motown Massacre. And apparently, me and the Allison, we missed a little bit uh, of the tone of the movie. Apparently, during the tone, um, Lori was uh, secretly talking to her mom, Evelyn, during the movie. And very like ghostly. She was like controlling her in a way. Like, like it's like a little sound in the back of her head making her do like these creepy like killings so that's why when we showed her at the end of the movie we're like why is just a random ghost she actually was there in spirit the whole time but we missed it i think i was just too to me i think i was just too happy of seeing my my boy al trying to get it on with two blondes that i just totally forgot about everything else i don't know about you allison but that was about me yeah, I don't know how I missed that, and um, but yeah, I'm sure that's that's why you missed it. But yep. <laughs> with the what you know, like first of all, like I'm really glad that that he like chimed in and let us know that. Yeah, um, because that's cause... what the Facebook's all about. We all want we want the yeah. feedback. We're new over here, but we can don't miss. I I love the feedback, so I appreciate the feedback. Right, right, and like one, I'm happy that somebody that we don't personally know listens to the show, and two, um, you know. Like I, we really screwed that up. Like I, I would have sworn that that was not in the movie, and I watched it again yesterday, mm-hmm. and it is. I mean, it's in the movie, and I don't know how I missed it, but I mean, you know, we missed like a key plot point to the movie. The movie is a lot better <laughs> now that I know about that. Like it makes yeah. a lot more sense. Um, so I like I like the movie a lot better. But yeah, like that guy's like really into this movie, and they do a huge breakdown on that. People should go to go. Uh, you know, listen yeah. to his content. Yeah, it's called Mountaintop Nine. Um, the person's Eric Anderson. Goes, go check it out. It's definitely pretty fun of how they deep dive into that movie. And like I said, you know me, like shh, once there's some guy trying to hit up two blondes, like that's where all my focus goes. Because I'm like, what kind of li-? like I, I was like, what kind of lines is this guy gonna say? So <laughs> that's how my '80s mind goes. I'm like our boy. Um, I'm like our boy Craig on this movie. Okay, where. <laughs> I don't give a damn. I just want to get this girl in my, my in my tent. You know what I mean? I just want to get her in my TP. 
Okay, that's what I'm waiting to do. But yeah, because he can get it up, right? Yeah, he can get up exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right. Now let's get into the history section, and I think there's a, in this particular history. So this movie was released on October 10th, 1986. So we are continuing, continuing our our 1986 era of horror movies, which I got to say, when I said it before on other podcasts, this is has to be my favorite era for both movies, wrestling, and um, uh, metal as well because there's just so much stuff going on and usually it's really good quality, all right? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of good quality today on the metal music of some albums that got released at this particular month in this particular year. Uh, the wrestling side, we do have a couple house shows that happen, which we'll talk about soon. So we're going to have really good quality in both of those. This particular movie, though, it's going to be a little tough. But let's get into the pro wrestling of October 10th, 1986. All right, Allison, who should go first? I have a WWF house show, and you have a Crockett show. Is it a house show or is it a taping? Um... My source doesn't necessarily say. I'm pretty sure it was a house show. Okay. Um, but mine, the the ending of mine is the ending of my show is probably is well is is definitely more important than yours. So you go first. Sounds good. So mine was a WWF house show. This is an October 10th, 1986. It's in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. And this so. You know, sometimes me and Allison like to go back and forth between Crockett, WWF. There's more wrestling that's going on this time, but these are like the two major promotions, at least in the United States. This also, too, was a really, like, WWF during 1986 was, like, the top. You know what I mean? Like, they were, like, the top. You know, they had more of the, the cartoon-style characters. You know, a lot of MTV going on this during this time. Hulk Hogan was humongous at this time. And what we talked about before, usually when WWF would do house shows, they would have an A house show and have a B house show. Any house show that had Hulk Hogan on it, on a mag, A house show. Now, what we mean mean by A and B house show is the A show would sell out the arena. No matter what arena you went to, if Hulk Hogan was on the marquee, instant sellout. B house show would actually happen on the same day, it'd be in a smaller market, and it would have some stars on it, but not has... Not the big uh, main event stars. Like today, it'd be like, if they did house shows today in WWF, it'd be Roman Reigns would be on one house show and you might have um, Seth Rollins on the other house show. So you still get two big stars on both house shows, but obviously the Roman Reigns is going to sell more than the Seth Rollins. So that's how they used to do it back in the days. And they used to run, you know, two sets of groups at the same time. So this one we have over here in Pittsburgh was the A show. And we have a good card. Like, this would be a very fun card to go to. Um, and this is like a house show. And it, this, to me, this this card right here seems like a, like a, something you would see on a pay-per-view or a premium live event has their known now. <laughs> All right. So we have... Yeah. So I'm not, I'll, I'll go over most some of the matches that I think that would be fun. Yeah. I'm not going to go over the whole thing because it'll take forever. So the opening match was Coco Beware. He defeated Steve Lombardi. All right. What a, what a barn burner. <laughs> yes. Well, it was probably a good opening match. I mean, you got yeah. a star in Coco, yeah. and then you have Steve Lombardi. I mean, that's fine. Wasn't Brooklyn Brawler, right? Brooklyn Brawler? I think I think so, yeah. I was, I was wondering I was wondering if you knew that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I think that Steve Lombardi became the Brooklyn Brawler. 
He was also the picture, the the pitch guy. What was his name? The the the, the baseball guy? guy. The baseball guy. Oh, uh, oh my God! I forgot Knuckle, all about that. Knucklebart Swartz, Knuckleball, right? <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking, but I do remember that gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Knuckleball Swartz. <laughs> <laughs> so we have. Um, there is some like okay. Maybe I'll just go over quick about some of the matches. So we have Cousin Luke defeated Tiger Chung Lee. Wow. Mm-hmm. We have Kamala defeated Lanny Pafo, which is Randy, Randy Savage's brother. Check this one out. King Harley Race defeated Corporate Kirshner. Ooh. Yeah, and that's like a mid-card yeah, match. Exactly. Yeah, Bob Orton Jr. defeated Pedro Morales. Um, we got... The I'm gonna skip a couple. We got the junkyard dog. <laughs> well, the, maybe I'll just say him really quick. No, I, no, I got. I see why I'm following this card too, and you're like, I'm gonna skip. I mean, we got hillbilly Jim no, defeated Mister. It's, it's fair Fuji. enough. Yeah, hillbilly it's Jim defeated Mister. Mister. Fuji in a tuxedo match. Okay, yeah. Billy Jack Haynes fought Hercules. Well, Hercules and I, I always had a sweet spot for him. I always thought he was pretty good. Yeah, but he fought boy Hercules. And then you know this one would be great. The junkyard dog defeated Jake Roberts by di- disqualification. So you know there's some anytime there's a Drake Roberts and stuff going down, you know some shit's going down. Yeah, I bet that was great. But here's what we came here for this house show. Here's where we paid our wait, how much do you think the house shows back like forty bucks? Fifty bucks? No. No. You think no, they're more? Not even close. No, they were much less. Like twenty. I don't know for specifically, but I'm sure they were twenty dollars or less. I would guarantee you. Just think for twenty dollars you can see these two main events. This has been fucking awesome. We have the Honky Tonk Man defeated Randy Savage by countout, but re- Randy Savage retained his WWF Intercontinental Championship. So Randy Savage, you know, this is definitely awesome to see live. And you know, Honky Tonk Man, you know, he he wasn't like the best wrestler ever, but he did, um, you know, when he was in there with the good wrestlers, he can hold his own. Oh, yeah. And then probably one of Hulk Hogan's best opponents ever, you know, maybe not like super marquee opponent, even though they did sell out a lot of house shows everywhere they went. And they pro- this one was probably a sellout at this time too. But he also, with this one, he they, they, they laid it in. Like, the, if you want to see some hard-hitting WWF matches, which wasn't, you know, known at this particular era, era to have like really hard-hitting fights. But anytime these two guys got in the ring, it was on. We have Paul Orndorff. He defeated Hulk Hogan by disqualification. So Hulk Hogan retained the WWF Championship. So even though, even though, you know, like I said, we, we talked about this before. Th- during this particular era of WWF, you couldn't just lose. You know what I mean? It's, oh, no. It, no. If you're stars or you're building programs, you got to come up with like DQs. You got to come up with countouts and stuff like that. You know, draws. And at, because they, they didn't want to hurt anybody, but they wanted to build, build more... Um, they wanted to build more towards the next match. You know what I mean? Or or build up towards the final feud. So if you just had Hulk Hogan just beat Paul Orndorff right away, that would that would mean nothing. You know, that would be just be like, okay, the match is done. We don't want to see it anymore. But if you keep doing these DQs and everything, we can keep it going, brother. So Exactly. And the thing you have to consider too is like in nineteen eighty six, pay per view was a thing, but it was brand new. Yep. Like, you know, you weren't watching a WWF pay per view every month like you are now it was basically the tv was just there to make people come to the shows 
So on a house show, you're going to have that end in disqualification because you can't have Hogan go over Orndorff because that's what people are people are paying to see. And it's, you know, it would just it it would have been the thing like, well, this already happened. So you got to wait for a big live show and then get all the people in there and then Hogan beats him or whatever, however it, it turns out. Yeah, and uh, the beauty of this era, if you call it that, is there was no, like, social media. There was no, you know, internet going on where you can just find results by a click of your hand, you know? So a lot of these house shows would have the same finish, the same match structure, the same everything, you know, constantly, day after day after day. And, you know, you wouldn't hear, like, you would go to this town, like, we would go to Pittsburgh, and we would just think this card is just special to us, you know? And then they would just do the exact same car like the next day or something like that, you know. And right. you wouldn't know that unless you had like maybe the Wrestling Observer or one of those news news sites. But you had to wait like almost a month or a couple weeks to get the results and then read them on the actual newsletter itself. So Newsletter, yeah. It, prob- it probably took a month, I would say, at least. Yeah, to get all the results and everything from each and every house show. So that's when you can kind of see patterns of how they actually did their house shows. And basically house shows were made for two reasons. Well, three reasons, in my opinion, was to, you know, generate more money because mm. during this particular time in wrestling, um, house shows were, that's how you generate a lot of money is by getting your arena money. You know, nowadays it's all about the television rights, but they didn't have that back in the day. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of, that was kind of a new thing that actually happened in the 90s. But during this time, it was all about merchandise sales, especially for WWF. Um, it's about house shows and then it, it would be later on about the pay-per-view money. So, but they also too, they also did these house shows as well to find your craft, you know, so you can be in front of a live audience day in and day out and you can experiment different matches. You can experiment different finishes. You can experiment different moves as well. So it's very beneficial. Yeah. And it's weird to think how that's changed because, because now it is all about TV rights and naming rights and it doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters about your pay-per-views or anything like that is how much a, a TV station like NBC is willing to buy it, pay for your product. Yeah. But back then, they mostly bought time on television. They had to pay for that time because um, do you remember? Uh, we don't remember because I don't either. But um, what that's what kind of what Black Black Saturday was all about. I think is what they called it when Vince McMahon bought yep. uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling's TV time and yep. took their show away. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, it's weird to think now the way the industry works now is that they actually bought time on TV. Whereas now Turner would be like, Oh, I want to buy your show and put it on TV and here's some money kind of thing. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how that is now. And you know, a lot now too, is a lot of them are going into, you know, obviously streaming is big during this time. And a lot of them are trying to get their rights and their next day rights to be on different streaming platforms. And, and then by doing that, Yes, we're going to have a lot of live events for TV shows, but we're going to lessen our house shows. So, you know, it's very rare now the days that we even see an ADW or WWF do house shows. But house shows do help out new and upcoming wrestlers to hone their crafts in front of a live audience. So when they go on TV, they're not green and they can actually, you know, not have to experience experience in front of a TV camera. They can just do it on their own. So it's house shows are still very beneficial to wrestlers this day. It just it's it's kind of a lost art of them doing it all the time and having like A and B shows everywhere. So it you know everything changes, but that's just one of the many things that's changed in pro wrestling. Yeah, and another thing about that too is um, 
Hogan having the title for as long as he is, he did as a face is kind of unusual. But Hogan was like an unusual wrestler. He was more yeah. popular than any wrestler had ever been, and probably maybe ever ever has been. I mean, you could argue that Steve Austin was maybe more popular. Yeah. Now, um, but the only thing about Austin was I think he was more popular, but his run wasn't as long as Hogan or John Cena. So that's the only thing about Austin. Like his run on top is probably only like what four years. Maybe at most, you know. Would you say Austin or Hogan? Uh, Austin. Austin, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. yeah Austin was probably, I mean, maybe four years. Yeah. But his career was so short too, because I mean, he came in basically at the end of his career is when he got popular. Yeah. Or real popular. Um, but yeah, the- um, usually you would have like in Crockett, like a Crockett booking would be keep the title on the heel and let the face chase the ti- chase the title, mm-hmm. which is more interesting to people. But WWF people just wanted to see Hulk Hogan with that title. Yeah. Pretty much, it is different, you know. Aqua, you know, when you got a hot, super hot celebrity babyface, I mean, he's the person of your company. You know, sometimes it just makes sense to keep it on him. You know, because like you know, like you were saying before the Crockett era, they're mostly they're like the heel champion. You know, whether it be like mm-hmm. the Harley Race heel or the Ric Flair heel. You know, because the heels would, um, you know, always either sneak get away from the baby face or you would get a new hot incoming baby face to challenge him you just have this really hot feud uh during that time and i don't know like i kind of i i always preferred like the heel champion and the baby face um chase but you know when you got like a great baby face like austin or something i mean you can't you can't go wrong with that either so it's just it's it just depends on the on the uh, particular performer of of how the storyline's going to go really Exactly. All right, Allison, what do you got for us from some WCW brother, or de- well, was it was it Crockett? It was yeah, it was still Crockett at this point. Uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be WCW until at least two years later. I think Crockett started yeah. sold off to turn eighty eight. But Crockett brother, so this is show me it brother. Exactly. So this is this is not nearly as happy of a story as as your story is. Okay. Um. So I wanted to talk about this because it doesn't happen on that exact day. Mm-hmm. But it does happen that week. It happened the Monday after this movie came out. And we probably won't have a movie that comes out on that Monday. So I wanted to talk about this. Excuse me. So on October 13th, 1986, um, Crockett, Jim Crockett Promotions was in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, which is near our stomping grounds. And we go there sometimes at the Memorial Auditorium. And, um, they were doing a show, which I'm assuming was a house show, but it could have been a TV tape. My, my source doesn't say. Um, I'll keep it a little bit short. There were a lot of good matches on this, including Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantel versus the Midnight Express in a bunkhouse match, which would have been really good. Yeah. Um, but the big thing about that was the main event of that show was Magnum TA, our boy Magnum TA, who we talked oh, about a lot. My favorite. One of my yeah, favorites. He beat, he beat Jimmy Garvin in a lumberjack match. Oh, wow. So the thing about this was yeah. that it was also Magnum TA's last match because the next yeah. day he was when he had the car accident on October 14th. So he had the car accident. He was never able to wrestle again. Yeah. But that's pretty historic that it was um, uh, Magnum TA's last match ever. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, you talk about an 80s star and the rise. I mean, he was like, we talked a little bit about him before on this show. But he was just like, if you think 80s like wrestler or like 80s Southern wrestler, I mean, he is like one of the top. 
And he was really good, yeah, too. Like, would... the way he did that belly-to-belly suplex, you know, his yeah, wrestling style. Sure. I mean, he, he would have been a guy who definitely would have had a great run with the NWA championship. I don't know if he would have kept it very long, but he at least could have probably done like a year with the title, I would say. Well, I was going to ask you what you thought about. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about the details of the accident maybe in a minute, but yeah. like I, I, um, I was wondering what you thought. What if he had gone, um, if this hadn't happened and he'd gone to WWF, like, do you think that he could have been, he d- could have done well there? Um, I think he'd, I, I think he would have been exactly like how the Texas tornado was. You know, Kerry Von Erich. I think he would have been a better version of Kerry Von Erich because the problem was during this time, you know, you couldn't really make Magnum, Magnum like a like a bad guy. You know, he was just too no. much of a baby face. But he and the problem was in WWF, you couldn't out baby face Hulk Hogan. You couldn't out politic Hulk Hogan. So there's no way you're going right. to be the top baby face. But you can be a good number two. You know, what I mean, he probably would have been the Intercontinental Champion. To be to me, just think about it right here. He would have his run would have been exactly like Kerry Von Erich's run. It just it would have been gone a lot better because Magnum didn't have all the demons that Kerry Von Erich had. He would just have been a very he pretty much would have been him in my view, you know. But obviously, you know. But in Crockett, it's kind of like how Lex Luger was. So Lex Luger was always bigger in WCW than he was in the WWF. Even when they tried to push Lex Luger as the next big WWF guy, it just didn't work. So there's some people that in some promotions, they just work better. And I think Magnum would have been one of those guys. I think he would have been a lot better if he, you know, could wrestle. Uh, I think he would have been a lot better in, in WCW or, or Crockett than he would have been in WWF. He probably would have went to WWF for a little bit. But like I said, he, he would have had a ceiling over there. Yeah, I, I agree. You can't you can't out Hogan Hogan, that's for sure. No, no. You can't do it, brother. They don't work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> don't work for me, brother. <laughs> Oh, is that what you got on the wrestling? Anything else? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, that was that was pretty much it. That was the big thing that I. Where found where was that? Uh, oh, he was in Greenville. Yeah, yeah. So, man, the, both both cars sound pretty good. You know, like I said, this era definitely had like really good wrestling. You know, in 1986. So you can't go wrong with both shows. But speaking of not going wrong, let's get into the metal of October metal. 1986. All right. So, do you want to go first, Allison, on this one since I went first on mine? Oh, I can, yeah, if you want me to. Um, now, is your story about so, an album or is it about an actual metal story? It's funny. Um, I have a metal story. Okay. I have a, I have an al- I have two albums. Okay. And I have uh, uh, a, a tour. Okay. But they're all short, though, so none of, none of these are going to be real long stories. Okay, I don't really have a long story either. Mine are just albums that got released out this month. Okay. Um, so, um, one of them, I'll do the downer first. Okay. Um, so, this didn't happen on that day, but uh, we also probably won't have something that's released on the day this happened, but Last month, we talked about um, Master of Puppets and how amazing that album was. Or last week, I guess, we talked about how amazing Master of Puppets was. Yes. And, um, you know, how much it changed us and changed metal in general. Well, on that tour on September 27th, which was, you know, like a week or 10 days before this movie came out, um, was the day that Cliff Burton was killed in the bus accident. So they had the bus accident in Sweden, and he was killed um, 
you know, like right, you know, six months or so after that album came out. Yeah. So, which was also a life-changing thing. Like it changed Metallica and they almost broke up because of it, but they, you know, they decided to keep going and they got in Jason Newstead and then they just went, you know, onwards and upwards from there. But that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, Also that month um, on September 29th, which was two days later, um, Iron Maiden released Somewhere in Time, which was like their, they were still really popular then, but it was the beginning of their decline in popularity, I think. They started using like guitar synthesizers. Is this with the newer of, singer or is this still has Bruce? No, it still has Bruce. Bruce didn't leave until 90, 90, 1990. Did you see that new thing that Bruce is, apparently he does like spoken words and stuff. I know I saw that. I, I kind of want to go to that, but it's in Durham, which is like fucking forever from here. Like I never go to Durham. Yeah. Although technically it's probably not any further away than Atlanta, but Atlanta just seems like somewhere I'd rather go than Durham. Apparently he's been on but the yeah, Jericho podcast a lot too. Yeah. Um, I, Cause he lives in Tampa, I guess. Yeah. Like I think he lives in Florida. Um, so uh, yeah, he's, he, he goes on the Jericho podcast a lot. Yeah. I listened to that episode with him on there. That was really interesting. And it gives us. Uh, you you saw the part where he's talking about the tour that's yeah. coming up and how they're gonna add the uh, Sinjetsu stuff to the beginning of it. That's gonna be really cool. And we see it like in October. Yeah, it should be pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, um, like but, the, the, the tragedy anywhere is horrible. But it's crazy how mm-hmm. already in this sh- this show we've done, we've had like about three, um, three or four deaths that we talked about and music, mm-hmm. and it just you know. It's crazy how that stuff can happen, you know. Sometimes, you know, and it's always somebody there. so crazy talented too. Like yeah. Cliff Burton was a, was just a crazy talented musician, like just insane. Like, and like I never heard anybody play bass like that. Yeah, ever. So you said you got a tour for us? No, oh, well, the Iron Maiden tour. So Iron Maiden was oh, on nice. was on the somewhere on tour tour, and they were playing uh, um, in England that nice. day in Sheffield. They just, you know, played a typical Iron Maiden show, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so, um, do you want me to talk about the albums that I found? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, I found actually a lot of albums that get released during this month. Some of the bands I never even heard about before. Maybe you can enlighten me on some of them. But I did find one band. Their album got released. And, like, this is something I want to get into because it's great. So the first one I found was on October 1st, Megadeth. They released their album, Peace Sales, but who's buying, brother? Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't catch that one. That's a good album, though. So you're more of a Megadeth fan than I am. I'm trying to like get into them because I know they're coming on tour here pretty soon. But oh, yeah. like, you know, what can you tell us a little bit about the Megadeth? Um, <clears throat> well, Megadeth, Dave Mustaine, the lead singer, lead guitar player from Megadeth, used to be in Metallica. And um, got fired for being too out of control, basically. Um, and then he basically sp- seemed to have spent like the first 15 years of his career getting revenge on Metallica for yeah. kicking him out, it seems like. Um, but yeah, Peace Cells was their second album, I believe. Uh-huh. I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was their second album. Um, it's good. It's not as good as the first one, but it's more famous. Um you know, it's more popular, but like Devil's Island is a really good song. Peace Sells, obviously, a lot of people heard that as the beginning of MTV News around this time. Yeah. 
um that do 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 that that was like the big that was how mtv news started up until uh, sometime in the 90s um but yeah um they they were megadeth is kind of a revolving door band they have like you know dave mustaine and then whoever's playing with him basically is megadeth at that time it's kind of um, like uh kind of like nice nails is kind of, yeah kind of like how nine inch nails is um but um this was a decent lineup it had chris pollard i believe on lead guitar um who went on to be in machine head um um you know um it wasn't as good as the uh you know the the rest and peace lineup which would come next but that was the best megadeth lineup that there's ever been but yeah peace sells that's a great album and i'm surprised i didn't pick up on that so we also have October, same day that the P-Cells came out, this other band, I never even heard of them before. Hope I say their name right. St. Vitus? No, St. Vitus. St. Vitus, yeah. Born Too Late. I've never heard of them before. St. Vitus is like a stoner rock band or like a doom metal band. Um, um, the thing I know about St. Vitus was uh, Wino, Steve, Scott Weinrich was in, uh, was in that band for a while, but I don't know if he was during this era. Um, but he was also in the Obsessed and a bunch of other doom metal bands that were really good. Um, St. Vitus is good. It sounds like if you like doom metal, you'll like it. It sounds like every other doom metal band, pretty much. But I mean, they're they're good. They're very very good. Then we got October thirty first, Halloween, nineteen eighty six. Possessed, Beyond the Gates album got released. I saw that. Possessed is a really good thrash band. Yeah, very 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 good thrash band. Um, was uh, is that the band what, that the guy from Primus was in? Possessed. Yeah, like um, the guitar player, the original guitar player from Primus was in a was in a thrash band, and I want to say it was Possessed, but I could be wrong about that. Because another interesting connection between Primus and thrash metal is that when after Cliff Burton died, um, they originally asked uh, Les Claypool to be their new bass player. Not nice. Well, I mean, something. that would just be weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would play in a different style than yeah. he does in Primus, but that would be that would be really bizarre, I think. Um, so yeah, next... he was in Possessed and Blind Illusion. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got to check it out. The Possessed, I haven't heard them before, but I'm pretty sure if I play a little bit of them, they seem, they seem pretty rocking. Now, there's one band I've heard and I'm not a big fan of, but I know a lot of people are. Uh, Striper. To Hell with the Devil. Got released October twenty yeah. first, nineteen eighty six. Yeah, Striper is what it is. I mean, back then, I can remember a lot of like kids that I knew that were really into metal could listen to Striper because they were they were Christians or whatever. They were a Christian band. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I always, I always, I don't know. I I always felt like that was just kind of a sellout. Like it was just like a this is a way we can make money and we can sell to a, to a different audience kind of thing. Yeah. But in the last few couple of months, I've actually become more of a, not a fan, but I've become res- much more respectful of Striper after hearing him on Jericho's podcast. Yeah. They also play on his, <clears throat> they also play on his cruise as well. So they're still yeah, rocking out yeah. there today. They're still playing today. Same lineup, I think mostly. Um, but yeah, I like hearing them talk about their career and talk about, you know, their faith and how, I mean, it seems genuine. Like they seem like really genuine people. And, um, those, I mean, if you like that kind of hair metal from the eighties, I mean, stripers as good as anybody Yeah, and are better than some, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just not my favorite thing in the world, but I mean, you know, tell the devil is a good, is a good album for, you know, it's a good album for them. Up next, we got October 13th, Saxon. 
Rock the nations, brother. Can't go wrong with Saxon. I've never heard of them either. I gotta get on my. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just typical like metal. I, I mean, I don't know how to say. It. I mean, I, I I sounds like I'm shitting on them, and I'm really not. They're just yeah. like it's just metal. It's like Anvil or any of that other stuff. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Man of War, that kind of thing. It's good stuff. Now, another band we haven't talked about this band before, but I know they're like really popular for the era. Was Wasp. Inside the Electric Circus got released in October of this year. Yeah. Wasp was coming back on tour with Armored Saint opening. I was going to see if you wanted to go to that. Yep. Yeah, I saw that one. I mean, you talk about 80s, brother. <laughs> so, I, you know, I've been, I've been listening to, you know, some Armored Saint and starting to get into them, but I got to start getting into the Wasp because I keep hearing about them, but I haven't really fully checked them out. So I might have to do some homework on them. So. Yeah, Wasp was good. I mean, I don't listen to them all the time, but. Um, Headless Children, uh, Blind in Texas, like that era of uh, of Wasp is really good. Um, I mean, you know, it's like shock music, I guess. It's like Marilyn Manson before Marilyn Manson, kind of. Then we have on October. So we have a lot of albums that came out the, the month of October. It's crazy. Like if you're yeah, a I've fan, got one of, you haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah, I got two of them. Well, you might have the one I have mentioned because I'm saving one for the for the end. We okay. have this band called Crimson Glory released their album self-titled crimson glory any good tales about crimson glory i don't even know who that band is i am not familiar with them at all oh we stumped allison on here yeah i was i'm stumped on that one <laughs> we'll check them out and see what they sound like but before we get into your well i really want to talk about this last one because this band would definitely be my favorite band in the 80s like bar none like wow okay it has to be because I liked all their albums. I still like it to this day. You know what I mean? And in about three days before we would be watching Sorority House Massacre, probably in some sort of like dungeon theater they had in a back alley uh, in Greenville or something. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, would be, I would be like rocking out this CD or I, I guess I'd be rocking out this track, this like uh, a cassette tape in the Trans Am. I'd be playing it over and over again. I also be like, can you stop playing this one song over again? I, I heard it enough times. I'm like, no, brother, I got to play it again. And I'm talking about Slayer, the Mighty Slayer. And they, the album, Rain and Blood, it released on October 7th, 1986. My God, what a great CD, our album. I'm oh, like, oh hell yeah! Like I don't know how I missed that too. I didn't, that's not the other album that I had picked. Oh really? But, oh um, my yeah. god, brother! Yeah. This CD. <laughs> or I keep saying CD because that's what my '90s brain is telling me. We're in the '80s, brother. This cassette is rocking. I mean, you got like Angel of Death on that. You got obviously the main track, Raining Blood. I mean, my god, the stuff in the middle is is good as well too. But my favorite song from this album is Angel of Death. The first song I can listen to that over and over and over and over again. And of course, Raining Blood is one of their most famous songs that Slayer plays live. Like that's probably like one of the most recognizable thrash Slayer songs ever is Raining Blood. And this album was just like rocking the whole time. So definitely something. I think uh for the Facebook extra I'm gonna put on um when when Slayer actually played Raining Blood when there's actually Raining Blood on them. So I thought that was really cool. I think I could find that. Mm, yeah that was awesome but you know slayer i mean like i'm saying like this they to me were the perfect thrash band like i like the vocals I like the guitars i like the the topics i just liked everything about them like just the way they are like the like the darkness to them and stuff like you know 
I'm not like this, you know, like one of those crazy Slayer fans that like fucking carved my wrist and everything. But, you know, I would definitely like to go to their shows and rock out to them. I'd be playing them, you know, windows down, Magnum TA style in the fucking Trans Am, blasting out the Slayer, head banging. So definitely, this yeah. is definitely one of the best albums and one of the most iconic albums that got released, you know, in October 1986. So definitely, oh, definitely, oh, for sure. definitely fun. What else do you got for us, Allison? Uh, so the other album was definitely not as big as this, but yeah. um, <laughs> Metal Church Metal Church released The Dark on October 6th, which was the day after Slayer, I guess. Um, and Metal Church is like one of those bands. They're kind of a thrash band, but kind of not. Yeah. Um, I'm more familiar. Actually, I remember buying this album when it came out um, because I thought that it would be kind of like Metallica. And it kind of is because um, John Marshall actually went on to uh, the guitar player who doesn't actually play on this album, but John Marshall, the guitar player from Metal Church, um, was Kirk Hammett's guitar tech as his main job. And he would go on to fill in for James Hetfield when he would get injured, which I saw him play with Metallica in 92 when James had that thing where the pyro burned his hand or whatever. Yeah. And he couldn't play guitar and he was just singing. Um, I saw John Marshall play with Metallica then. But uh, yeah, The Dark is a good album. It has a song on it called um, Start the Fire. Which sounds like it's a it's about children killing their parents. Hmm. Um, that's it's really good. I wonder if our boy um, Bobby would like that song. I, I'm sure he would. I, I'm I'm really surprised. Uh, or they they uh, well, I'm not surprised with the with the budget of this movie, but they should have licensed that for this movie because it would have been perfect. Yep. I mean, just in that one month alone, October. Look how many albums we got to choose from. I mean, fuck, <laughs> we'd have been fucking broke. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we would have been we would. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to play. It's crazy because they're all like you know they're all spaced out like you know almost like every week you would be going to the the tape collection store picking up these 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 tapes these albums. So I mean I yeah. definitely myself probably would have got the Megadeth one, the Slayer one, maybe the Metal Church one because I like those guys too. And I probably would have to I probably would do a experiment a little bit with the Wasp and then the Crimson. I probably would have checked those ones out. Yeah, which which Wasp album came out? No, oh, it's Inside the Electric Circus. Yes, Inside the Electric Circus. Yeah, which was uh, that's a great album. It's got um, Wasp did a lot of covers and and then made them uh, like into like heavy like hard rock metal versions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like like they're like one of those bands where a lot of their famous songs are actually covers um, from the Who or this song has a Ray Charles album has a Ray Charles cover on it, but. Yeah, this has nine five nasty, and this has some this has some good Wasp songs. This is a great album. Yep, everybody check it out. Maybe we'll play some stuff from Wasp too on the Facebook page. We'll see. We'll see what we got down there to put some more extras to the show. But everybody, are you ready? Are you ready to get into our first love story here on the <laughs> love edition of the Retro Blood? Are you ready for Sorority House Massacre? God knows I'm ready. Sorority. House. Massacre. After a weekend with us, you're going to want to join this sorority. Maybe we are the haunted sorority house after all. Yes, you're awake! 
Casey. Oh, God. It's him. That's him. That's the guy from my dream. What's the plan here, buddy? You got a good reason behind Oh ready as I'm ever going to be, brother. Oh, my God, I know. You ready to get into the, uh, the, the, the sorority house where we have people leaving to a, a powwow? All right. Well, let's get into it, everybody. All right. So we open. Where we just see a random sorority house on the screen. And we get a bunch of credits. You know, like normal movies during the 80s. You know, like nowadays, we might get some credits during the movie when they open up a title scene. But, you know, back then, it was just like, boom, show something and put some credits on there. And, of course, I always liked the graphics. It was like Sorority House, and it had Massacre underneath the end and a little bit of a bloody stain on it. So I thought that was pretty neat, even though, you know, you could do that shit in Photoshop two seconds now. But we get a scene of our main character. She's in a hospital. Her name is Beth. Um, she is talking to this lady called Mrs. Lawrence and Mrs. Lawrence is like, you know, what, what happened? She's like, I'm not really sure what happened. It all, it all happened when I entered the house. And this is when we get, I mean, at the beginning of this movie, I mean, you talk about cutscenes. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I couldn't even halfway keep up. It's like, we have Beth goes in the house. We get some crazy guy in a mental ho- hospital, start freaking out. All right. And she just, then we see like a little girl. Then we got some more camera cuts. Then we see a bunch of exterior. We see her walking through everything. I'm like, fuck. This is like one of those WWF cutscenes where you keep like freaking cutting every five seconds. I was going to have a seizure. <laughs> so after Beth is looking around this house, we have a friend come in. And this friend, his name is Linda. And she is like, hey, I'm glad you came back um, here, Beth. I was worried about you for a little bit. And she's like, yeah, I just needed to get myself back into the, the groove of things. Okay. So... And then Linda's like, okay, well, maybe if you stay here, we can have so much fun. You want to join our sorority. So we, we have now established that Beth has come to this house. This house is a sorority house. And she is is pained by something. And she wants to have like a little bit more of a... Uh, she wants to have her friends around her to, to cheer her up from some of this past events that just happened to her. Which we find out what that was. And that was that her aunt uh, passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. And that's why she's at this house right now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. So uh, when Beth entered the house and we had those flashbacks, we have a character who's in a insane asylum. And he's like freaking out the whole time. And, they, and the nurses had to go in there and restrain him and lock him up. And they were talking like, hey, I never seen him act like this before. Like, I wonder what triggered him. He's like, yeah, we better call the um, we better call the doctor, uh, Doctor Lindsay, to come take a look at him and see what's going on with him and why he's like freaking out like this. Yeah, Doctor Lindsay. Yes, Doctor Lindsay. <laughs> so, 
So then Sorry. we get <laughs> So then we get a flashback, which is like, okay. Right when I saw this flashback, I was like, okay. Let's like let's not, not make it too obvious that we're copying Nightmare on Elm Street, but we're just gonna copy them anyway. Okay, we have Beth slowly walking in like this slow scene. She she sees three random kids right there, and they're like, "Are you going to the house?" "Yes, I'm going to the house." "Why?" He's like, "Be careful in that house." Okay, now there was. Now we know why we see that scene now because we find out about the story of the house. But at first, not knowing anything about this movie, you see a couple, three creepy kids outside the house acting very slow, and a girl walking into a house. You're thinking, they just ripped off Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and it's interesting that you would say that, because I didn't think about that when I was watching it, but you're right, it does look like Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking that this whole movie is basically Halloween. Yes, that that, that is too. story-wise. So basically, what I was going to say is, Allison, let's see if you agree with me. All right. So we have Michael Myers, you know what I mean? Really famous um, slasher, you know, very, very, very famous horror villain, okay? We have Jason, we have Freddy, we even have our boy Letterface, and we have a couple other ones out there, all right? You know, reanimator, stuff like that. Is there any more, is there anybody has deadly, has scary, has more... Uh, 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 dangerous in society than one Bobby Henkel. <laughs> not not according to these people. Because um, Bobby, Bobby Henkel, Henkel is he he that guy is yes. just pure evil. Pure <laughs> evil. To, according to these people, <laughs> he doesn't even have any lines, brother. He just shows up with a knife. He he can be like Freddy Krueger, haunt you in your nightmares, and he could be like Michael Myers, just show up and slash people for no reason. Besides, besides thinking everybody is his. And Hinkle, the deadliest man of them all. Fuck Jason. Fuck them all else. We got Hinkle, brother. Hinkle's the deadliest man alive. Where's my Hinkle shirt, brother? <laughs> I can't believe there's no Hinkle shirt. Like, Fright Rack doesn't have a Bobby Hinkle shirt. Yeah. Like, that's got to change, right? <laughs> uh, did you see the look at this guy, too? He just looked at some random Joe <laughs> off the street. And I was like, what the well, fuck? Everybody in this movie is just a random Joe off the street. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm pretty sure this movie didn't have real actors in it, but I didn't <laughs> research any of them. But I'm pretty sure oh, this movie doesn't have real great. actors in it. So there was a couple there was a couple hints throughout this movie. You know what I mean? So we did yeah. see that the house had LBH, and we did see that Beth's suitcase did have LBH, and that would be a, a, a Easter egg for people who watched because LBH was Lori Beth Hinkle. And we'll figure out who Lori Beth Hinkle is here later in our review. All right. Yeah. So we got Beth going. She keeps going to this house. I swear she went to this house like five times this movie. It was crazy. But some of them were dreams. Some of them were actually her going into the house on her own. So she's in the house. This is a dream, by the way. She's in the house right now. She just leaves the door wide open. She's walking through the house. You see a bunch of pretty crazy-looking dolls. They look like like uh, like those real type of looking dolls. They're all sitting at a table, and they see a knife. And then we see a, bl- a bunch of blood dripping from a candle. We see it dripping from the ceiling. And this, I gotta give this movie some credit. It does do a lot of something we like to call foreshadowing. Okay. We're foreshadowing that there's there's murders that happen in this house, 
and they probably involved kids. And you were right, because we get that story later on from one of our major characters, Andy, which was something in itself. So eventually, Beth, she goes upstairs, and she sees a bloody baseball glove dripping throughout the floor. Then something, uh, this random thing falls down. We see, um, we see Beth seeing uh, herself in a bloody bed, and then she wakes up, and this is when we meet our character, Sarah. Sarah Allison, she needs a sweater. She definitely needs a sweater. She's a little cold. And, yeah. <laughs> so she came in barging into Beth's room looking for a sweater, and she notices, hey, what's with that scar there? It's like, huh. Beth's like, oh, I don't know. I just had it my whole life. We got some more foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> this movie's all foreshadowing for yes. the most part, actually. Yes. So I did like how they linked stuff together. You know, that's always nice to do. You know, we're, we're setting the pace of what's about to happen. So during this, uh, Sarah now, she is, she is talking to another character, Cindy. And we see Linda again. And then we see a character, Tracy. And Sarah is acting, asking Tracy if she can borrow something pink. Because our girl Tracy is like all pinked out. And then they kept going on saying like, you know, we're going to have like this, we're all going to have this house to ourselves for Memorial Weekend. We're going to start, um, we're going to start getting stuff ready for, uh, for a powwow. John, have you ever been to a powwow before? I, I haven't, but like um, in our, in our, our normal segment of you can't do that these days. This <laughs> is something that just wouldn't really happen today where your sorority is based around like a native American theme and yes. um, with no native American members, I can guarantee you, None. but um, are you saying, <laughs> no our boy, are you saying our boy John was not a native American? <laughs> I mean, I didn't run a nastrastry.com on him, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't, but yeah, then they set the TP up in the sorority yard and I'm sure in 1986, this was common, but it's just something that wouldn't be, wouldn't be tolerated today yeah. and shouldn't be. So Linda is also saying that her boyfriend likes to go rafting. So he doesn't want to give Linda any attention. He just wants to raft all the time. And all the girls are like, they they don't believe it. They're like they're like giving him shit about it. All right. And then they're like they're they're also talking, you know, a, a little bit about Beth. You know, see if they can uh, make her feel a little bit better about coming here. And they also. Um, so this is when Beth's in the shower <clears throat> and then a sorority girl just comes out naked from the shower and she's still staring at the whole mirror the whole time. So Beth is having these weird dreams that she never had before and she can't really make sense of it. We see one of the characters, Tracy, the girl in all pink, saying, hey, you're looking to have some major fun this weekend. And then Beth's kind of blowing her off a little bit because she's worried. And this is when we get uh, Tracy telling uh, Linda... And Sarah, about, you know, what's going on with Beth? Why is she acting all like, you know, like weird and stuff? And this is when we get Linda saying, well, her aunt died a couple, I think she said a couple weeks back. And Trace's like, wow, I thought she'd be over it by now. I like, damn, okay. And then, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, they're, like, and yeah, they're just like, well, be over by now. yeah, she'd be over by now. And then they're just saying like, you know, we'll try to make the, the weekend pretty fun for her. And this one, Beth comes in. They're all going to be leaving to go to class. They get outside. Beth forgets her book. She comes back inside. She, this is when we first see the first face shot of our 
killer of the movie, Bobby Hinkle. Bobby Hinkle. And this dude, he is now in Best Dreams. He is, he is, fuck Freddy Krueger. We have Bobby Hinkle in this fucking dream now, and he is connected to our girl Beth, and he is in the mirror, and he slices the mirror, and there's blood that comes out the mirror. And our Bobby Hinkle, you know what he looks like? Does he have burn marks? Does he have some cool face mask? Does he have a pitchfork? Does he have um, a fucking chainsaw with like dead people's faces on him? Allison? He does He does not. You know what he, he has? He have any of that stuff. He has a fucking, just a normal looking dude sweater and some Nike shoes, brother. Yep. <laughs> That's about normal it. Normal dude. Normal dude. <laughs> I was like, when I saw that, I was like, this is the fucking killer? Like this guy? Like he just looks like some like, normal dude. <laughs> yeah, like they couldn't even find a mask to put on him or anything? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that was the point, maybe, of like, oh, it's just some normal guy. That's even scarier. But I was like, this you just got him this guy in some, like, 1980 sweater, some Nike shoes on. I was like, okay. So this so this freaks out Beth. Um, Linda comes in saying, hey, what's going on? She's like, oh, I've seen a terrible guy in the mirror. And, and then Linda's like, oh, you wouldn't see a guy here. If you would, Tracy would have found him. Okay. So we're establishing that Tracy is the easy one. Okay. Yes. Yes. she fills that that she fills that role yes we have to have that role We've already had the, the, the obligatory shower scene that you have to have yes. in every every 1980 slasher movie and now we have the obligatory slutty girl right yes gotta have that part in there so another easter egg 26 is the room that bobby hinkle is in maybe that's his age maybe that's a little easter egg there this is when we get some of the, you know, the the nurses coming in there and the doctors. So Sarah, so Sarah's also outside and she's bringing up her, that she has pepper spray on her now because of the muggings. And then we get a weird story about a pig. And then Tracy says, "It's like psychotic bacon." <laughs> what? So th- they had a story. What is that? They had a story okay. about a pig. Okay, they said this is all foreshadowing too. Okay, they this this they had a pig and then they had a bunch of the pig had a bunch of kids. They did an experiment where they took the pig a couple miles away, all right, and then they they killed the pig. And or they something happened, somebody killed, and then one of the pigs knew that somebody got killed, so it got sad. So it had like a telepathic link, and that's what they're calling it a psycho, not a psycho, but a psychic pig. And then Tracy oh, yeah, goes. Okay. Or like psychic bacon. No, right. Okay. Yeah, I remember that now. Psychic bacon. Yeah. Yes. So we're showing that foreshadowing. The foreshadowing of this what's going on with Beth with her having a link to Hinkle. Yes. I what could that, that fucking, be? I love that name. Okay. So now we get Dr. Lindsay. She is wondering what has triggered our boy Bobby. Okay. She's like, you know, it could be some sort of psychotic behavior, all right? So this is when we get a bunch of, uh, this is when we get some more foreshadowing of, we have Tracy in the class, and she is hearing this, like, video, and then we have Beth in her class, this is when the teachers talk about deja vu, where you're in somewhere and you remember a past memory, more foreshadowing. But this is also when we get a scene that was definitely ripped off from Halloween 1, where Beth is in the classroom, she looks over, and she sees Hinkle bloodied in the mirror, just like Lori saw Michael Myers. And she freaks out, and the class just stares all at her. And then after that, they just go on. So we get our first 
Halloween ripoff besides our first Freddy ripoff. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this movie. Yes. Rich, you know, hey, if you're going to rip out the movie, you might as well do that one. Might as well be the best ones, right? So now we have Sarah, and she is talking to this super nerdy guy who actually looked like one of the creators from South Park. Like, uh, God, what are their names again? Trey and um, some, Trey and something. Trey and Matt. Yeah, he actually does. I didn't think about that. But he does he looked like the taller one, but a blonde version of the taller one. I forgot which one, one what his name was, but he looked like him. The stars of Basketball. All right, so this nerd is talking. Yeah, great movie. So this nerd guy, his name is Andy. And Andy and Sarah, I guess, are a couple. And he is talking about this brain ways with kittens. And maybe this was the story with the kittens where they brought the, 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 the kitten. No, actually, I think I got my stories mixed up. The kitten was the one where they brought the kitten away from its parents. Then they had brain waves and stuff like that. So the, the pig one was similar to that, but I couldn't remember what the pig one is. Yeah, whatever. They're both the same story, basically. They're both foreshadowing. Same story. They're both foreshadowing that when when somebody you have a family member and they're close together and one's missing, the family member can somehow feel the pain of the other family member. Right. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Actually, Um, I watched this scene several times when I was watching the movie. The thing I love about this movie, this part of the movie is where all of these actors mm-hmm. are delivering these lines and you can clearly tell they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they're just saying lines. Yes. Like they're just saying these pseudo quote unquote scientific things yeah. that, that was in the script and they have no idea what any of these things are or what they're even talking about. Yep, pretty much. So the doc has now put a brain machine so he can read the brain waves of Bobby. All right. And this is when we get Beth. She is walking into the house again. She likes to walk into this house like all the time. And then the girls are getting ready for their powwow. All right. And then this is when we have Cindy Lawrence, who is the, I guess, the owner of the sorority house. She is leaving to go on a Memorial Day uh, trip like a like a vacation like a memorial day three three weekend vacation with a bunch of other girls apparently but we're, we're gonna have a couple of them stay and watch the house we're gonna have some go out to a memorial day party so this is when she's just saying bye and you know to contact her if, if you need her so we have the dr Lindsay and her assistant help uh doing a brainwave machine on bobby and then this is when the doc was like are you telling me that Bobby is half awake and half asleep most of the time? Like, yep. And then I ask him a bunch yep. of questions. What triggered you? Was it the hospital? Was it your dreams? Was it you, somebody you know? And then he blurts out, Laura. And then the guy's like, is he, is he, has he ever spoken before? I was like, okay, this is, here we go. <laughs> We're copying Halloween again. We're Michael this Myers. This is Halloween, exactly. Yes, exactly. He's on the mo. he's, he he is on a mission, but this is not the this is not the Michael Myers from Halloween one. This is be really like the Michael Myers from Halloween two, you know, because you know in Halloween one Michael was an escaped victim from his house, and he just went on a murder rampage for it was supposed to be like he he, he did get those girls, but the reason he got those girls is because they were in the same block that his house was in, so that was like the whole right. thing was this kind of like just random killing. You know, in Halloween 2, that was when it was more like the 
he was going out for revenge from her, from his baby sister. So I think this movie, right, yeah, yeah. So it has that's the thing that people don't know is in, yeah. In the first Halloween movie, she's yeah. not his sister. Exactly, and then of course the later ones where they had in the two thousand twenties, they they didn't they didn't bring up that storyline again. So that was only for like Halloween two and, and and past films. So to me, like this film, if it copies anything, it would be copying Halloween two and it'd be copying Halloween five, because in Halloween two, you know, Mike was trying to go after his baby sister. And he was trying to finish killing up the rest of the family, just like our bird Bobby. But then also, too, in Halloween 5, Michael had a telepathic link with Daniel Harris's character. So, but it was weird, though, because Halloween 5 came out after this movie. So maybe Halloween 5 was influenced by Sorority House Massacre, brother. You never know. <laughs> maybe, but I refuse to accept that. <laughs> yes, I, I doubt it either. Anyway, so... You know, this is when we get Beth. She's looking around again, around the house. And this is when she, she she keeps going in and out of dreams. So she's in the house now. And the house looks different than the house looked like when she when she's in real time. And she's looking around. She sees the crazy guy, which was the Bobby, Hinkle. And then Hinkle tries to attack her. And then she wakes up and she gets freaked out. And she runs into Lawrence. And Lawrence tells her, hey, you know, don't. You know why are you freaking out? She's just like, oh, I just you just scared me. And she's like, you just need to relax. And then Lawrence leaves, and then Beth shuts the door. So now we have uh, Bobby. He is um, in sleep. Bobby is Hinkle, by the way. So if I might say Hinkle. I'll say Bobby when he's normal. I'll say Hinkle when he's the killer. Okay, so fair Bo- enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby is done for today, and the dogs are ready to leave. All right, and then. Now we are out back at the sorority house, and then all three girls have arrived. So we're setting up the stage for the house. So we have Beth, the main character, in the sorority house. We have Sarah. We have Linda. And we have Tracy. And they're at the sorority house. Um, Beth's still a little, you know, freaked out about that vision she just seen. And all the girls are like, you know, we're at this house. What are we going to be doing? What's the first thing a girl's going to be doing? We're going to be trying on some outfits, brother. So we get we a try on Cindy's clothes. We're gonna try on Cindy's clothes, brother. Yeah. And we get a whole if time were to stand still for everybody but me. Yeah. That's the one thing I would do. Like that's the one thing she picks if time would stand still yeah. is to try on Cindy's clothes. That's what you gotta do, man. So all these girls, they start trying all all these eighties clothes. We see yeah. some montage this, clothes. We see some titties. Best, so we have this long <laughs> montage of nudity and trying on Cindy's clothes. Yep. This is a uh, this is an eighteen year old. 1980s boys, wet dream right here, brother. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> this whole time, Beth is just like not into it at all, which is kind of funny. She looks like the she yeah, she's, she's what we call the final girl. Okay. Uh, so let's see. And she's doing very final girl things right yeah. now. She's just uh, <laughs> by herself, yeah. sitting on the bed. Yep. Um. Yeah, she's very final girl right now. Pretty much. So she, and then Aldernis, you know, Linda's like, hey, what's going on? Because you could see that Linda is more of a friend with Beth than the other girls are. So Linda's going like, hey, what's going on? She's like, I just can't get this dream out of my head. I keep seeing this crazy guy. So then we, there's a lot of cutscenes during this. So now we have another cutscene right when she says that. We have this nurse coming into Bobby's room and he's just going to leave him some food. And then Bobby gets up, attacks him, and he just runs off like freaking easy. I mean, this guy escaped the fucking mental hospital as, as easy as Michael Myers did. And he just ran. He just ran like a fucking yep. guy passed. And there's no extra security guards. There's no lock gates. He just fucking killed this nurse, ran, good to go. 
Yep. No problem. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even have to steal a car or nothing. No. He, he, I think he, he eventually did. So once he ran out of the nurse, he like ran throughout the big, um, he ran, <laughs> no matter that scene, he just ran out of the, uh, the, the the hospital and he's running down the street and some girl's about to get in this car and he just pushes her down and takes the car and just runs off. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But he, but he would have got out anyway. Yeah. He could have just ran. He could have just walked out the gates of this place. Yeah. So when this is all happening, the girls are talking about making some drinks now and they're talking about some uh, of their boys coming over. And this is when we get the, the Bobby or Hinkle. He enters into a store, breaks uh, a glass container with a knife, start, stabs the store owner, and leaves. So this is when Beth is now breaking down some of her dreams. Okay, there they are. So, <laughs> so the whole point of this was we have the girls are in a circle, and they they are going to figure out why Beth is having these dreams, and they're and they're still like realistic, like like real dreams. Like why are they? happening like this and Sarah has an idea to grab a book that will explain her dreams for each scene so we have the 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 reason she saw the dolls is because she has some sort of traumatic experience as a kid that involved dolls and then she goes on saying well why is um you know why am I seeing this guy stabbing people with a knife and one of the girls says something, and Linda's like, the best, part, the best part of this I thought was funny was, like, Linda's like, listen, guys, this is my, like, profession, so don't, don't like, like, make fun of it, okay? And I was like, this is your fucking, this is like a girl getting, like, you know, when they go out and they, what's your, what's your major? Psychology. Oh, okay. You're one of those. Yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> so then the, the, the best part is when they were like, so the reason you're seeing this guy with a knife and stabbing people and you're afraid of knife is because you are scared of a male's penis. Because they think the knife is a a shape, you know, like a, a, a what do you call it, an object. A male's object is, sh- is like a penis. And she is scared of a penis and getting close to a male. So that's why she's having dreams about this guy killing her because she's scared to have sex with a male. Makes sense to me. Absolutely. I'm sure that's why. Yep. So this is when we see all the dudes, they're all showing up now. This is when we get that crazy, you know, Bobby steals the car, like we said earlier. And this is when we get the girls, they, they like walk outside and like, this is like, like, oh good, our stuff from the powwow came. And it's basically just like this huge Indian dude who's ripped, like statue. And then there's like a TP and then there's a bunch of like other shit. And then they start right. like making this TP and then we get, um... Right up, but we see this car come up and we see this person walk like in first person view, kind of like how we saw the first person view of Halloween, another copy. And then we think it might be the killer because they scare the girls, but nope, it's all the girls' boyfriends. And when you look at these cast of dudes, I don't know where the fuck they found these dudes, but holy shit, you talk about a bunch of nerds. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, so we got. So we got John, who is the, and it's funny, right when they get him, they all like, it's kind of like the Power Ranger, you know what I mean? They all like come, like we can tell who is dating who. They just all come up and start hugging each other. So we have Tracy is the girlfriend of Craig, okay? Sarah is the girlfriend of Andy. 
And we have Linda is the girlfriend of the raft dude, which I didn't catch his name. He just likes to go rafting. And then we have strange tension between John and Beth. Okay, and his scene was just like so awkward. <laughs> of them like hugging and stuff. Yeah. And then after this, they, they start to pitch a tent. No, not that kind of pitching a tent. They're pitching an actual tent. And we have Craig and Tracy make it out in this tent and they eventually fall down. Okay, so we're building up relationships here now. Sort of. Yes. Oh, and the guy's name who likes to rap, his name is Steve. And Steve, Steve. and then Linda's like, hey, Steve, can you stay and party with us? No, I just want to go rafting. I got to go raft. Yeah, I got to go raft, brother. Okay. <laughs> this is a funny part. So we have this nurse guy. His name is um, Larry. And Larry's on the phone he's like, hey, coppers, we have a fucking missing patient. His name is Robert. No, his name is Bobby. <laughs> I'm sorry. This, the way he said it was so funny. I was like, <laughs> once I heard his name, I was like, that's our killer. So the guy was like, hey, coppers, we got a, a huge problem. We got a missing patient. He just ran out of here and stuff. Super easy. We didn't have none of the doors locked or nothing. I was the only person on duty. I found his dead body. And the killer's name, the guy who escaped, is Bobby Henkel. Henkel has escaped, Whoa. everybody. Oh, no. Henkel. You delivered that line better than he did. Like, this is the part where he sits down at the desk and he's on the phone or whatever. And he's like, patient Henkel has escaped. Repeat, patient Henkel has escaped. Like, they have, like, a code for that. Or and then it's like, if, if <laughs> the, oh, whole, this, the whole thing is fucking absurd. Oh, no. And then uh, then they call Dr. Dr. Lindsay soon, right? Yeah, yeah. He's about to talk to him. And we have a detective guy, Detective Gilbert, show up pretty soon, too. But we're back at the house. The lights are off already. Like they, they, and then the girls, they think it's um, Craig. He's the one that set up the lights because he, they think the guys are trying to make, you know, set the tone for some sex, brother. And then the Craig's like, I didn't do any of that. It wasn't me. Um, okay, so this is when we get the story of this house is haunted. Okay? Because we're in a house that has no lights and the candles are on. And this is when Andy um, starts to talk about the story of this haunted house. Okay. So the story was, there was a guy who went insane one day. Let me know if this sounds familiar, okay. There is a kid who went insane one day. While the parents were watching TV and the kids were sleeping upstairs, he grabbed a quote-unquote pitch axe and he slaughtered his mom and dad and then he went to go after the kids in the house too and after mm -hmm. no and then the way andy describes it is he went after the mom and dad and after that he started hunting and of course while he's saying this some of the girls are like oh no that didn't happen no no you're being crazy don't say things like that <laughs> stuff like that yeah, I think I've heard this somewhere before. Yes, tell me if you heard that. Before. Yes, okay. Just can't quite place it, but I think I've heard that somewhere before. Exactly. So Beth starts to freak out, foreshadowing, because obviously that story involves her, even though she didn't know at the time. So she goes upstairs. John tries... Uh, no, uh, Andy continues the story about the guy killing his whole family. And then he said eventually... After that, about 13 to 14 years ago, that's when somebody bought up the sorority house. So after that happened, the somebody bought the house and made it into a sorority house. 
And foreshadowing. Then, yeah, foreshadowing. And of course, like in every horror movie, when somebody tells the background plot of the movie, they do not believe that actually happened. Nope. Just like it's in all fake. just all like fake in, news. Yes. Just like in every nightmare on M Street movie. It's all fake news. Okay. So Beth's upstairs and stuff. She's walking around the house. She's, this girl just walks around every room, like every second. All right. And then she gets interrupted by John. John kind of scares a little bit. Um, he's just saying like, hey, you know. Beth basically just goes on saying, I apologize for being a bad date. And John is just saying like, hey, everything's okay. You know, just rest upstairs and everything will be fine. And then right. John, but she has a she has a reason though, like yeah. to walk around. Like so she because she her memory hasn't come back yet, right? She doesn't she hasn't made the connection between the sorority house yet, right? Yes, not yet. So she does. Like she's she the does. only person that she does know. She so she yeah. knows the deal with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, so she yeah, so she's looking around the rooms of the yeah, house. Yeah, basically, right? what's okay. happening is what we when a lot of deja vu is happening with her in the house. So basically, when she's walking to different rooms, she remembers different memories from her childhood. And then that traumatic experience yeah. that happened to her. Right, so okay. Andy jumps on John. They start fighting a little bit, start joking around. And then they all start watching a movie. This is when we have that nurse, Larry. He now calls Dr. Lindsay. Or, and then like, Lindsay's like, he's like, he's like, hey, Lindsay, Hinkle escaped. And she's like, oh, man. Okay, <laughs> we'll figure out what to do. Like, she didn't give a fuck most of the time. Yeah, she's kind of the Dr. Loomis character in this, sort of. Barely. Ba- barely. She's she's a, just barely at, I guess she's just Loomis. at home. Like She doesn't like try to come down to the station. She doesn't try to find the guy. She just stays at home. And it's like, I ain't fucking finding this motherfucker. He's crazy. Uh-huh. I'm just going to stay at home <laughs> and crazy. call people. Uh-huh. So this one we have Beth. She's laying down now. We're in dreamland again. She sees Henkel walking up the stairs, stabbing uh, a bed in front of her, about to stab her. And then she... Freaks out and starts screaming. Uh, this is when we get everybody. Once she hears Beth screaming, they all come up there. Beth says it was another dream. And eventually Tracy wants Craig to fix the lights. Craig's like, I have no idea how to do that. And Tracy's like, well, I'll go fix it myself. So then we got Tracy. She's outside now. She's trying to fix the lights. She turns around. And then Craig scares her. And she hits him right in the nuts. And this is when we get probably my favorite line of the movie. All right, Craig. You ready? Is everybody ready out there? You know I love my '80s uh, pickup lines, and this is this is the pickup nine of this particular movie. It's not my favorite one, but it is a good one, and I used it on my girlfriend as well. Just let you guys know. Anytime I find these lines, I use it on her to see if they work or not. Mm. Okay, Craig wants to spend the night in the TP. Okay. Tracy says, <laughs> she says, well, it's not up yet. My boy Craig says, I can get it up. I can get it up. And she's like, Craig. So how, so how does that work for you when you use that line? Does that, does that work pretty good? Yes. So what I say, so what I, this is what I did. I was like, Beth, not the Beth from this movie, my Beth. I was like, uh, I'm, I was like, hey, Beth, I want to spend the night in the TP. And she's first like, you can't get it up. And I was like, I can get it up. <laughs> huh? You get it? I, I get Yes. I'm pretty oh. sure everybody gets it at this point. Oh, Greg. 
Well, that's not my favorite line we ever heard, but it, it, it was a good one. It was a good one. I'll give my boy Craig some credit there. All right, so now we have um, the gang, or the, the, the two, the, everybody else, you know, the Sarah, Linda, Beth, John, all them, Andy, they're all in the living room talking about Beth's dreams. And then um, this is when we get the scene where Beth remembers that there's a knife hidden underneath the fireplace. And they're like, bullshit, it's not underneath the fireplace. And then they go look for it. It is underneath there. So they find the original knife that Henkel was murdering his family with. And Sarah, she wants to put it up for like a trophy. But Tracy did not want to put it up for a trophy. Mm -mm. What a shocking development. Yes. Like that piece of business there? (laughs) I like my notes I wrote here. Craig pitches a tent. (laughs) 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 yep yeah we're that yes we're that years old all right so (laughs) so Lindsay. uh so now we got Lindsay, and she's going over like where does hinkle show up at shouldn't we be getting there pretty soon yeah yeah, he's showing up really really soon very soon i was about to say it yeah so so this is when we get a call so now we have a call Lindsay is calling back the nurse and she's saying like hey we, I, we got to tell the detective where we think Hinkle might be going. And Lindsay's like, listen, I found some news. I think he might be going back to the one person who survived his killings. And the guy's like, oh, there's somebody who survived his killings. Like, yes, there was one girl who survived his killings. And I think he might have figured out where to find her out nowadays. So we're, 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 Lindsay has now figured out that, that, that uh, Beth is Hinkle's lost sister that he tried to kill. And since the telepathic experience, Hinkle, Bobby Hinkle, knows that Beth Hinkle is going to be at the house that he tried to murder them all in the first place. So we're building some tension. Right. Yeah, so he's psychically connected to his sister. But um, the whole thing about the swordy house being the house that she, the, the swordy that she joined being in the house that she lived in is a complete coincidence, though, right? Yes, yes, is it? Yes, it, pretty much. So this is when we get after Lindsay is talking about Hinkle's past. We have Andy. He has to leave now because he's going to get in trouble from his parents. All right, and then we see um, he's leaving. He says, "Sarah, goodbye." And then eventually Andy sees Hinkle. Hinkle stabs him. So we have our second victim of the movie. And he falls to the ground. And then we're back inside. And then you can, see, when we're back inside the sword house, you can see Hinkle's shadow moving throughout the house. Terrifying. Yes. So while they're doing hypnosis on Beth, Beth is back in her dreams. She's back to, she's back to the house. Um, she has like the scene of um, Hinkle chasing her down to the basement. Um, then they ask her how old she was. He asked for Laura. Uh, so basically, he, he is saying like this person in my dream is asking for this girl named Laura. And then like they're trying to get her to wake up because Beth is freaking out because we see a scene in her in her in, we see uh, uh, the scene of her dreams where Hinkle is stalking her in his basement. And they eventually get her to wake up. And she screams. And she's all like, it was like a it was like a, a dream that I had when I was five years old. So 
So she reveals that she's had these nightmares and she is from where she was five years old. So, and, and he's like, do you remember anything else, you know, for near that long? She's like, I can't really remember too much else. And then Sarah's like, I remember something when I was five years old. I remember lime, uh, lime jello. What do you remember from when you were five years old, Allison? Well, actually a lot. Um, honestly, I remember. Some I have snow. a lot of. I have a. I have a lot of really early memories, actually. Um, but um, but yeah, I don't know how common that is to have these uh, five-year-old memories, but I I certainly do. Yes. Okay, so then they're also going on. You know, they're 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 just talking about some past life experience during this time because we're we're starting to get uh, woken up by. Yes, this is the long lost sister of Hinkles. Lori is. Yeah, this is supposed to be the uh, exposition scene where we find out the secret. Yes. Although, I don't no, we know don't. how anyone at this point could not know. Yes, exactly. So our boy Craig, he is ready to fuck. Okay? And this is one of the others. Start- he's, he's ready to pitch that tent, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is when everybody else is starting to go to sleep as well, too. Or, or wind down the night. Alright? So... <laughs> we have Beth and we have John in the kitchen. Alright? And then Beth's like, this is another good line. Okay? It's not as good as our Craig line, but it's 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 up there. Beth goes, John, you think this place is haunted? John says, I think you're haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that as a pickup line from now on. I think you're haunted. Yeah, so if somebody's like, oh, man, I'm kind of scared of this place. I think you're scared of this place. And then she's all like... Seductive voice, whatever they say. And then she's like, oh, I think you're right. I was like, oh, fuck, that was that easy? Shit, okay. I'll use that one next time then, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Uh, let's see. So this is when we get, you know, the, the scene of uh, uh, Tracy and we get uh, Craig. They're making out and everything. This is when Hank goes there and he's about to stab them all up. And then this is when we hear, um, this is when, you know, Tracy's like, oh, I think I hear something. All right. And this is when we start seeing the stabbing stuff through the through the tent. So our tent has been unpinched or has been slashed up by our Henkle. And this is when Sarah's like, hey, I think I hear some noise outside. It seems like like screaming or something. And she's like, and then at first there, I was like, oh, just a, a movie. And then uh, she's like, no. I, and then, then Sarah's like, oh, it's probably just uh, Tracy lusting after Craig's tomahawk. Yep. Yeah, because both of those things are going on at this time. They Like, two huh. of the people are watching a movie, and then yep. two, of the pe- and two of the people are, are dealing with uh, Craig's tomahawk. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. So we get more stabbing in the tent. Uh, this is when we see John and Beth. Uh, they're watching a movie. They're the ones that are watching the movie. Uh, Hankel stabs Trace in the chest. Or Tracy in the chest. Craig runs butt-ass naked into the house. Okay? With his, with his shoes and socks on. Probably a hard on there, too. He's running up, and the girl's like, what the fuck? What's going on? He's like, some guy's out there. He just killed Tracy. He's trying to get on the phone. He's like, the guy cut the cord. And then the girl's like, let's go to Cindy's room. She has a private line. And then they try to call. It's like, oh, it's ringing. And it's like, 
Uh, he cut the line. And then yeah, during this the time too, Cindy's room too. Yeah, and then during this time, you can obviously see in the scene that Craig is now wearing underwear. So somehow between him running butt ass naked into the first scene, calling and then getting into the room, he put on some underwear somehow. Yeah, magic. well, some things are important. I mean, you know, you gotta. Uh, that's true. You, gotta, you, you know, you have to put on underwear. Can't have that tomahawk just swinging around everywhere. Uh-huh. No. So now Henkel, he has arrived in the house. He grabs an old knife. Beth wakes up again. Hears um, whispering. Uh, sees a f- photo of the the kids. Like I guess it would be her sisters, and they all start having blood on them. So we get some more foreshadowing. We get some more dreamlike stuff. This now Beth sees Henkel in her dreams. And then she runs downstairs. She sees some blood on the stairs. So this is when we hear, after we hear that she sees the blood on the stairs, Craig is asking, he's asking Sarah and Linda, where's Beth and John? And then they had to close the door. She's like, oh, probably the, that guy probably got them. So this yeah, is probably dead. So this is when we see Henkel. He's, he's, we see Beth and uh, John, they're still sleeping. And then Henkel's about to stab uh, Beth, but then Beth rolls over and then Henkel just stabs John right in the back and then beth runs all off and then she meets with the rest of the crew up in the stairs so they all lock the door they put like a little so we have in the room we have craig we got linda sarah and beth they all try to barricade themselves into the room into the bedroom Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get in they're like oh he can't get in but he's going to be out there how are we going to get out of here so they look at the um a window and I look down and like, yeah, oh, we might be able to make it. He's like, we'll probably break our legs because it's a pretty good distance from down. And then Sarah's like, oh, I forgot. I had a fire safety ladder. So they put the fire safety ladder down there. They didn't think that Hinkle, they, th- they think he's just going to stay in the house the whole time and try to break through the door. They didn't think he was going to go outside. But Hinkle has now mastered the art of Michael Myers where he can teleport himself to different scenes. Okay. Yep. Because we have Craig, he is down trying to hold the ladder and get the girls to come down. But of course, our boy Hinkle shows up behind him and takes care of our boy Craig and his tomahawk. <laughs> so after that, um, Sarah's about to come down, but she sees that um, she sees that the Hinkle uh, is now on the ladder. So we have this big chase scene up up the ladder. They eventually. Um, they get Henkel. He's like has his hands on top of the, the the window. They start like pounding his hands, spraying his hands, and eventually they push him down and he falls down. But of course, like good old good old horror movie villains, he is not done for yet. So right. So let's stop here for a second. Yes. So maybe you can explain this to me because I'm an idiot. But yes. <laughs> so he doesn't climb up the fire ladder. No, he does. He climbs up to the second store because remember that shows him hanging outside the window and the ladder's like on top of him so like it, it kind of seems like he just climbs up the side of the building well no what they did was when he was going up the ladder they got the ladder they pushed the ladder off but before they could push the ladder off he grabbed the window the side of the window and he was trying to push himself in but his hands were like hanging off kind of like an indiana jones thing so they pushed oh, the window down on his hand where his hands were sticking out through the window but he was too tough. And then they start right. like bashing his hands. They spray him with something. And they eventually like got yeah. his hands and fingers to push off. And that's when he fell to and his. That's when he fell. Like Michael Myers. Two yeah. Yes. 
Okay, so they're like, oh, well, he's down there now. Now we can go out the front door. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's probably safe now, right? Yes. So they try to leave the front door. And of course, um, they see. So right when they try to leave the door, Andy pops up. And Andy, with his last dying breath, says nothing and just falls down dead. <laughs> they all start freaking out a little bit. And then they, they go back to the front. And this is when they all run back upstairs because their boy Hinkle is still alive. So Beth mm-hmm. starts dreaming again. And she sees that Hinkle has busted through a window. All right. And then this is when they both see Hinkle. Like they, so I guess Hinkle, he busted through a window. To, to Like a window downstairs to kind of like block, block all the girls off. And this is when Beth got a good look at Hinkle. And she was like, hey, that's the guy from my dreams. This is when they're all running and stuff. Right. She finally figures it out. Yeah. She finally says, oh, shit, this is the guy who's been in my dreams the whole time. So now this is where we got the girls. They're outside now. So we have Sarah, Linda, and Beth. And they are outside. They're trying to escape from the house. But Hinkle has found them. And he is slowly stalking them. And he is um, he's saying Sarah to one of the girls. No, no. He, he's, he is looking at Sarah and Sarah's like, oh, he's staring right after me. Like, what is he saying? I think, and then, um, and Henkel's saying, um, Susan during this whole time. And then eventually, Henkel kills Sarah while the other two girls, um, wander off. And they didn't really help her too much. Either. I think, like, Sarah just fell down because she saw that Henkel, like, so we were led to believe a little bit that Henkel is basically what's happening right now is Henkel is reliving his childhood murders where now he thinks everybody in the sorority is his sisters and he has to kill each one of his sisters because he forgot to kill one sister or he couldn't kill one sister now he is thinking that the that the best friends sarah and linda are his other sisters that now he needs to kill all three of them to complete his destiny of evil right yeah so that's what you do exactly yes so after he kills them uh, we have Linda and we have Sarah. They're they're getting back inside. They're trying to go upstairs, and they eventually said, "No, wait. Let's go upstairs. Let's go to the basement because the keys are down in the basement." Okay, so now they're about in the basement. We hear some police cars, and they couldn't figure out why the police were there. So the police were there either because Li- the doctor Lindsay found out where Hank was going to be, or is that there was one scene where they threw a brick out a window. So. That's why the police are not going to be in it. It takes the police forever to get here, too. So this is when we get Beth. She's saying, listen, I think I might have figured all this out. Okay? (laughs) The guy keeps calling me Lori. And Linda's like, yeah, but you're not Lori. And we're not his sisters. Why is he after us? He's like, listen, I never told you guys. My first name is Lori. I just go by my middle name. Yeah, Laura. Laura. Lori is from... Halloween. Whatever, same thing. I mean, I we're, mean we're, it's that, it's it, right. It's that fucking close. Right, it's that it's, close. Yeah, it's, it's that like, fucking close. And I've been like, so you're telling me all this time you're fucking crazy, brother. You never told me your fucking name was Laura or whatever the fuck your name was. You tell me your crazy brother's coming to kill me. She's like, yeah, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> like we like we could have disclosed this information before, yeah. and we would have figured this out a lot quicker than the, than we did. <laughs> And possibly got help for some of our friends who were dead. Yeah, it was weird, though, because, like, she was all like, yeah, this guy. Like, at the beginning, she was like, yeah, the guy keeps calling me, like, like Lori. And, like, or is it Laura? Laura, right? 
Laura. It's yeah. Laura. Yeah. He's like, the guy keeps calling me Laura. I can't figure out well, my name was Laura the whole time. You guys didn't know that? No, you stupid bitch. You told me your name was Beth. <laughs> Damn it. That would have been, that would have been, uh, that would have been good information to have 79 yeah. minutes ago. Anyway, I don't want to get on a tantrum. So anyway, uh, this is when they get like, they have like a plan now. Like they're, they're, she's showing like, yeah, I, like what happened was I was little and I, this all came back to me now in this moment. I was little, I came down to the basement and I hid in like this little section right here. And then he tried to kill me, but he couldn't because I was hidden. And they're like, okay, that's good information now, but how is that going to help us now? <laughs> all right. Well, is, is this the part where they're, they're hit, they're hiding in the same place that he was in, that she was, she was hiding in? Yes. Well, yeah, and then uh, she's like, well, "Well, what did we do then?" Yeah, well, the thing is, like, she, yeah, it was the same basement that she hid in, but there was a part yeah. of the basement that they couldn't fit into now because when she when she was there, she was five, so she was smaller. So now right, the yeah. idea, yeah, now the idea is, okay, let's grab some weapons, and then when he comes yeah. down here, we'll try to fight his ass, all right? And then they'll just wait for the cops to show up. He said, and then then she goes on saying, "Yeah, there's also something that was connecting us between." Yeah, it's called the movie. Okay, that's why you got connected. There's no explanation. It's because they wrote it into the movie. Okay, right? Because the plot needs you to be connected. Yes. Because there would be no plot otherwise. Yeah. So now this is when uh, detective he calls up. <laughs> this is a weird scene too. The detective calls up the doc, and then the doc's like, "Hey, you probably want to go to that aunt's house because that's probably where all the shit's happening." Okay. All right. Yeah, so they, this they, is when they finally figured that out. Yep. So this is when we get, uh, this is also kind of a funny scene that comes up. So Linda and Beth, they now get some weapons. Hinkle enters. He starts attacking him, but they, he falls down and then he starts, um, you know, chasing him throughout the house. And then this is when we get a stare down. So he is now fully Michael Myers now. He is walking slowly to Beth. And he has a knife in his hand. And during this whole time, um, Linda, she grabs like a shovel. And she is doing the most fucking like lightest shovel attacks you have ever seen in your life. This is lighter than a Hulk Hogan chair shot. I'm talking about this is like, did you see those freaking shots she was doing? Like, it looked like she yeah. was like holding back. Like, what? come on, knock this guy out. She's like, <laughs> it's like barely hitting anything. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely never killed anybody with a shovel. That's for sure. Yeah, or even used a shovel. She can barely or hold the damn shovel, thing. probably. <laughs> so eventually, Hank goes, he's like staring down Beth in this hallway. He grabs Beth. He's about to stab her. And finally, Linda, she gets some guts or something, starts slamming this guy in the head. And eventually, she slams the guy in the head with a shovel. He falls down. All right. This is when, of course, you get the scene. This is started from Halloween again. We have um, Linda helping out Beth, picking her up and everything. And then eventually he's going to walk her away. And then we have Henkel rise up and then stab Linda to death. Or actually, it's basically just two stabs that he did. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, before he did that, Beth's like, oh, you saved my life. <laughs> so, like, Beth does, like, a weird line. Like, picture this, Allison. Picture this audience, too. The girl who just... Saved your life, got stabbed by a crazy killer that you found out was your brother. Okay? He falls down because he's he's still knocked out from the shovel a little bit. And then uh, Linda falls down. You hear police for a mile away. You can hear the police, like, literally, like, in the scene. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you're going to tell that person? 
you're gonna say something like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna you'll be okay. The police are on their way. The hospitals are on their way. You'll you'll be fine. We'll, we'll get you some safety, right?" You know what our fucking Beth said? Well, I mean, She's, I would, yes, yes, yes. That's what a normal person would say. In this movie, you know what she says? It's like, oh, I'll see if I'll get you a phone. A phone? <laughs> what the fuck? A phone? What the fuck? I don't need a phone right now. I need some bandages. I hear the police out there. You know, and what I the fuck am I doing with a phone? The phones don't work. You cut the line already. God damn it. <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> Hankel. What a fucking name, by the way. Hankel. <laughs> he's crawling on the floor. And he's, like, crawling up Beth's leg and stuff. And you can hear, like, the police coming in and everything in the background. And uh, Linda, she eventually dies. I guess I phone didn't help out. All right. And then this is when we get Hank with Beth trying to grab for for the knife. And then eventually Beth gets the knife and she fucking stabs Hankel through the throat. I was like, fuck. That was a, that was a pretty cool scene to stab him through the throat. Yeah, similar to a Halloween scene. But yes, yes, yes. But that's a theme going through this whole movie, though. Exactly. And then the police arrive. They say, a radio homicide. Beth gets damaged up. She's still... And then this is when we see Beth in the hospital. She got damaged up. The nurse is very friendly to her. She says she still has some dreams every once in a while. And then this is when we get the scene of the, the, the curtain comes over again. We see a bloody hankle. And he says, Beth, and that's when we end the movie. Cliffhanger if there ever was one, brother. Cliffhanger if there ever was one. And this and, movie... Uh, they oh, did make more of these. I know, exactly. I yeah, uh, I don't think uh, Hinkle is in the second one, at least. Yes, they actually have a Sorority House Massacre 2 and 3. But unfortunately, I think those ones happened in the 90s. So maybe later on when we do an extra podcast, we might revisit Sorority House Massacre. But... Yeah, I haven't seen them, but they're probably better than this. Uh, Jim Minorsky wrote and directed both of them. And some uh, Sorority House Massacre 3 is also known as Hard to Die, and they tried to make it not a sequel. Gotcha. Um, but uh, number two um, introduces uh, the killer known as Hockstatter. Ooh. What? Which is much, much better than uh, Hinkle. Are you saying our boy Hinkle got replaced? He did. He's uh. not in the second one at all. You know... <laughs> Oh man, it's tough. You know what I mean? Like it was like that time when uh, you know, the Midnight Express replaced uh, um, Stan for the other guy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's tough for a boy Hinkle. What a run though. I mean, he didn't have a line. He had one line. It was called it was Laura. He stabbed a couple people. He he mastered the art of telekinesis, and he mastered the art of teleportation as well too. So. Rest in peace, our boy Henkel, here on the yeah. Retro Blood. What a run. What a run, brother. What a run. This movie was only 79 minutes long. We talked about this movie longer than it actually takes to watch it. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. But everybody... I mean, especially, with, yeah. especially with all the like filler at the beginning. Yeah, I know. This, our, our review of everything was longer than this whole movie was. Yeah. That's the way we like to do it on the Retro Blood. We like to... Exactly. We like to we like to, uh, we like to do our stay at the sorority house and see what's happening for the uh, for the month of love. But everybody, that has been the uh, first episode of the February month for the month of love, sorority house massacre. Hope you all enjoyed it. Come check us out next week. So next week we actually have a special episode on a special day. 
And there's a reason for this. So, next week is going to be um, Valentine's Day on the Monday, the 14th. Usually we drop the show on Sundays. But I thought it'd be really cool if we dropped this particular episode on Valentine's Day. Because me and the Allison are going to be back. And we're going to be... You can't do a February love month without a February Valentine's movie. And this one is going to be My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, perfect. Can't wait to see this one. I actually have never seen My Bloody Valentine, so I'm very excited about watching this movie. And I actually own this movie because I mm. was going to be doing a review on one of my former shows before. I just never got around to it, but I'm super excited mm. that we're doing it for the Retro Blood. It should be very fun to see what's happening during the the release of My Bloody Valentine and what was happening during this movie as well as we continue the month of love here on the retro blood and we also have uh, a couple good movies coming out for you as well in the next month i think me and allison have find some pretty good ones so like i said we'll post some stuff on the um the facebook page for some extras about this episode and if you allow me allison i think i want to actually you know what what song do you think we should end on i kind of want to end on angel of death but you did say that Metal Church song is very close to our movie. So which one do you think we yeah. should end with? Well, I think we should end with uh, Metal Church, um, Start the Fire. Metal Church, Start the Fire, brother. If you're thinking, it, this is one is going to be dedicated to our bar, Henkel, runner run he had, and what a slasher he was in the universe of deadly horror movie slashers. Everybody, Metal Church, here it is. Signing off from the Retro Blood, James Allison. Wait, what did I say? Did I say James? I thought I was say James Klein. <laughs> and Allison. We'll see you guys later. See you guys. Try to hold us down
see the sound. 